Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. In 1965, three Harvard students created Operation Match. It was a computer system that promised to algorithmically pair couples using a series of compatibility questionnaires. This wasn't online dating, it was computer dating. Don't picture OkCupid. Picture actual room-sized computers. The sheer novelty of this just grabbed a lot of people's imaginations. One of those people was Ted Sutton. Ted had just started college at Indiana University, and he was having a terrible time. This was supposed to be an exciting time in my life, and it was really, really boring. I came across some article about research at Harvard and IBM computers, and I didn't know what a computer was, you know. And I just thought, well, this would be fun. Maybe I can do it. Not maybe I could do it as in try computer dating. Maybe I could do it as in start his own computer dating service. Ted did not actually know how a computer worked or even necessarily what one looked like. He sort of had a vague sci-fi B-roll idea in his head. I was picturing like a huge machine in some room with scientists around it in white coats and it humming. I knew that there were these things called punch cards, and they had little holes in them and numbers in them, and the computers, I sort of imagined, would shuffle up the punch cards, you know, thousands at a time. Like most people, Ted didn't have access to a computer. He had seen some punch cards, though, in the school registrar's office. So I took them. You stole them from the registrar's office? I borrowed them. <laughs> did they? <Yeah. laughs> did they were just there. And nobody noticed? No. I was probably careful about it. Okay. So armed with his useless punch cards, Ted created his questionnaire. All the questions were true or false. True or false. I enjoy parades. I would prefer a different first name. And then better red than dead. I mean, you can tell what era we're in. What do you think the parade one was getting at? You enjoy being out there in the world, sort of strutting your stuff, not staying home and reading, you know, Emily Dickinson in in front of a fireplace. This is me being an idiotic millennial. But, like, was that an era of more parades? In the Midwest, there were parades. People like parades in the Midwest. For girls only, I would rather date Johnny Carson than Sean Connery. I remember when I came up with that question thinking... Bingo. The questionnaires would get mailed out stapled to the punch cards. The punch cards didn't actually do anything, but they added a false science veneer to the whole enterprise. Ted put out an ad. Project Flame, a unique dating service. In spring, a young man's fancy turns to thoughts of love. Can it? Whether (laughs) summer, fall, winter, or spring, young men's fancies, and young ladies, for that matter, have always concerned themselves with amorous desires. At last, a solution is available, a system of scientifically matching students with similar taste, ideas, and interests. If you want a list of ideal dates and a chance for adventure, remember us, Project Flame. The ads also promised that any Project Flame couples would get a free copy of Eric Fromm's The Art of Loving, the 1950s philosophical self-help hit about falling in love. Again, Ted was a college freshman. Anyway, the response to the ads was immediate. I mean, hundreds... Hundreds of cards started coming in. And when I went to the post office, the postal clerk 
this is in Bloomington, Indiana, you know, looking at me and saying, you need a bigger post box. <laughs> and my eyes, you know, just got bigger. But you didn't feel a sense of, oh, my God, I've bitten off more than I can chew. These people are submitting things for a computer that does not exist. No, because I always knew that I would be shuffling them up. As in shuffling the questionnaires together and then randomly assigning men and women to each other. If you don't know Ted at all, this might just sound greedy. I mean, it was greedy. He was charging people a dollar a pop for the use of a fake computer. But also, he was a college freshman, and college freshmen get enchanted with ideas. Ted had been reading a lot of Camus, and he was enchanted with the idea of randomness. My parents met totally by chance. My father was in the audience of a nightclub, and my mother was a chorus girl and a singer in the 30s. Colosimo's Cafe, Chicago, it was owned by Al Capone. And my father just happened to be in the audience and fell in love like that with my mother. Do you know what the song was? In my mind, it, it was only a paper moon. Why? She was in a moon that was sort of over the stage. She was a, a lady in the moon, dressed in whatever she was dressed in. And I knew she played that role. And I always had that vision of a, of a truly romantic love. And the randomness is part of it. That said, Ted's commitment to this vision of love and chance, it had its limits. Okay, this is a bit of a confession. When I was looking through the girls, I was thinking, well, it would be sort of interesting if there's someone who I would think would be perfect for me. So I was looking occasionally at a girl's questionnaire. And then I came across this poor girl, Valerie Skalski. And the reason I say poor is she was six foot four. Valerie Skalski stuck in his thoughts. I had this hole in my heart. She was a lonely giantess going through the Midwest in a bleak and gloomy and unhappy life, looking for romance and looking for adventure, and that this could do it for her, and that these guys would want a tall girl. This is actually what computer dating was supposed to do. Pick the people out of a crowd most likely to be compatible with each other and put them together. So Ted decided to manually do that for Val. I went through all of the guys And I found the tallest ones imaginable and gave Val these three guys. Ted sent off Valerie's results, and a couple days later, the college paper published a letter from Valerie. Valerie was very mad. Also, Valerie was a guy, and not only a guy, but on the football team. A straight guy on the football team. Very, yeah, and he didn't see anything at all that was funny with what I was doing. (laughs) And he wrote this incredible letter Your questionnaire took more time than was necessary on my part. He spelled necessary, N-E-C-E-E-S-A-R-Y. I took a half hour, half, H-A-F, trying to decide whether, W-E-T-H-E-R, you were trying to psych me out or whether I was just plain illiterate. And he told all of this to a reporter from the Daily Student, which was the newspaper. The story went the 1960s version viral. The Associated Press grabbed it and put it on the wires, and then radio host Paul Harvey, who had this massively popular national show, covered it on air. After he featured on the 1200 radio stations, I got a phone call from my father asking me if I was paying enough attention to my studies. It seems like when you started it, your idea was that you were going to build a fake machine, but a machine that like promised that it would take randomness out of things, but it was actually like a randomness machine. It was like a machine that was supposed to be 
a nightclub in the 1930s for all these people. And you got in trouble because you interfered with that. Like if this were a myth, your like flaw was that you didn't let the experiment go forward, that you couldn't help but like feel human sympathy and jump into it. To me, listening to it, it's like you got punished for that. Yeah, I think you're right. It is like a myth. What I still love is the randomness of it all. I should have just, I should have stuck with it. Ted transferred out of Indiana and he shut down Project Flame. He tried to pick a life that was less random, that made more sense. He sounds like he still kind of regrets it. I was choosing instead to lead such a conventional life. I mean, the following year, I was at Georgetown University where you had to wear coats and ties to class. Miserable. It wasn't at all as fun and exciting as it was during those great days when I was dreaming up Project Flame. And, you know, the rest of my life, the things that I'm most grateful for are the things that are random. Like what? When I met my wife, I met her randomly at a funeral. Whose funeral was it? It's a funeral of a, of a very good friend of hers who I worked with. And after 45 minutes of talking, and when it was time for us to leave, she said, well, we, you know, you're saying when you meet someone for the first time, it's really nice talking to you. It might be nice to get together for lunch. And I said to her, I think we both have enough people to eat lunch with. <laughs> you know, the greatest line of my life. <laughs> my life changed. You know, if I hadn't been at that funeral, who knows who I'd be with now, or who knows if I'd be with someone now. You just never know. Say it's only a paper moon Sailing over a cardboard sea but it wouldn't be make-believe if you believed in me. Ted Sutton is a writer in Boston. He likes parades. His wife doesn't. DLDR was produced by me, PJ Vote, and my grumpy, grumpy co-host, Alex Goldman. Our executive producer is K.R. Splodge. Our engineer is the D-Flyzer, Jen Munson. We had help this week from Cameron Lindsay and Kimbo Skimbo. We first saw the Project Flame story in Slate. You can find more TLDR at our web blog, tldr.onthemedia.org. We tweet at TLDR. We are TLDR.